You are listening to the Photobomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Hey. Hey. How's your day? My day is good. Good. I watched a show today. Wait, what show? I watched the finale of The Mandalorian. Okay, all right. First of all, this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, that's what I wanted to okay. talk about. Okay. okay. Okay, let me just say let me just say what I want to say right now. If you hold on. Listening, no, I okay, I'm not going to put I'm not going to no spoilers. No spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. I'll cut you. No spoilers. But I'm going to say this right now. I'm about to say a profanity. So if you're listening to the podcast and you've got a child in the car or something, you might want to skip ahead about 20 seconds because I'm about to say a profanity. And then you can come back. But I'm not going to put a spoiler out there. But I'm just going to say to you, my friend Gary Hughes, mm-hmm. that when you watch the finale of The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. you need to be sure mm-hmm. that you have some clean clothes nearby because you will <laughs> yourself. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All right. That's Dan- all I'm saying. Dan- Daniel's going to go ahead and bleep that out, I think. No, okay. no, no. Keep it in. <laughs> no, I like it when you bleep out a curse word if you leave the first and last letter. So it's okay. just like like they used to do on like the alternative radio station back home. They wouldn't right. cover up the whole word, so you definitely knew it. They would take out the middle bit, so it would be kind of naughty. It's just enough to get it past the FCC. You right. know what I mean? Anyway, so here's the thing. Well, I'm I telling want- you, I just, I mean, literally watched it, came in here. To you and listen to the podcast. I'm fresh from watching it. That's where all that crazy energy is coming from. And I'm and it is it is a lovely, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful episode. I'm leaving the studio early today to go home and watch it. And here's I do why. not I do not want to be the poor SOB who is now being handed the series and said, Okay, write the next season. <laughs> Good luck with that. Because well, man, did they knock this out of the park. Okay. Well the the thing is that I'm having to avoid all social media today. Right. Like, it literally came out at midnight, and it is about one in the afternoon. So I, you can't make it even a couple of hours right. without – I mean, it's in advertisements, YouTube recap videos. Like, everything's going to spoil it if you're not careful. So I'm literally – I feel like I'm just walking around on a floor of broken glass just trying not to cut my feet like this is and it's really frustrating in the in the connected world we live in with streaming tv that although it is it's better that it's appointment viewing than and if they, if they just drop the whole series at the same time right mm-hmm. because then you, you just you have to sit and binge the whole thing in a couple of days or it's all going to get spoiled for you at least this comes out one episode at a time but yeah i as soon as i woke up this morning I, I opened up my my phone. I, I logged on to Instagram. I go check Facebook. I check YouTube. And every app I opened, I was like, ah! And then I like switched I saw, to I saw one. I saw one tweet, and the guy on the, and the tweet said, um, call in late to work and watch The Mandalorian before you go. Yeah. It's worth it. I'm going and social like, media dark hmm. for the rest of the day. Yeah, so after I had breakfast, I uh, I told Bobby, I'm like, I could do the podcast in about an hour. You want to watch The Mandalorian real quick? So we came up and watched The Mandalorian, and and uh, it did not disappoint. Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll give you my reaction later this afternoon when I watch it. Like this is the show where like 
I will sit down and I will make my children wait while I watch this. They're like, they don't yeah. want to watch it. Although they it's, do like Grogu. Good. They do like the Baby Yoda. They do enjoy it. My kids have Baby Yoda everything, but they don't really mm-hmm. love to sit and watch the show. Although they do sometimes, depending on the episode. Episode two of this season was the one, uh, and if you have not seen it, skip forward 30 seconds. Now, with the ice spiders, remember that one? The big crit, and that was mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. scariest. It was made to really, be- yeah. The ice spy. I, I was, I was yeah. afraid. Why? I my, didn't like my, the ice yeah. Spy. My kids normally watch the Made to Learn, and they're fine. Like, uh, but you know, but uh, yeah, the ice spider thing. They're like, Daddy. I was like, I'm a bad. Parent. Is there anything scarier? I mean, really, when you talk about all the things, the things that can scare you, a guy with a hatchet, you know, big giant snake, uh, you know, all the kind of things that are scary, traditionally scary. To me, the number one has got to be the rabbit horde of insects. You know, be it the ants that kill you or the piranhas or the giant spiders. That, to me, is the scariest way to die. Uh, you know, probably the thing that terrifies me the most is is uh, an audit. An audit would be bad. An audit. Dying by audit. <laughs> an audit. Dying by audit, yeah. But I'm just saying, being stalked by the killer, not as bad as spiders. Right, because it's right. inevitable. At least if it's one guy, you feel like you got a fighting chance. Yeah, you can yeah. fight that guy. You can't, you can't fight the horde of spiders. You can't fight the fire ants. You know, or whatever. You can't, the locusts. Yeah, that's it. You're done. You can't, there's nothing You're done. you can do. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I have a thing I put together specifically for you today and I'm for ready. the show that I thought okay. you would enjoy. go for it. I think the listeners will enjoy. I was talking to the kids this morning, and I was thinking about, you know, my kids are in high school, and I had my kids late in life, and then your kids are much younger, but your oldest is just getting ready to go she, to kindergarten, No, she right? should, well, she would be in kindergarten now, but she's right. uh, she'll be six in a month. So when you think about the pop culture, you think about the things that have populated our lives and that everyone of our generation, my generation or your generation, when these are different things because we're at different ages, uh, that we, everyone knows. And then you think about the things that your children will never know. So I started asking my kids questions and I wrote down the answers. And I was going to ask you these questions and see if you know the answers. Okay. And I'll tell you what my kids said. And okay. how weird it is to think that my children don't they they can't answer these questions but you remember that i i might be the wrong person for this because i although i am in a different generation than you i have the soul of a very old man right which means i you i expect you to get these right okay i expect you to get these right but understand most of these my children will not get right i'll tell them i'll tell you what they said on some of them and um, your children will absolutely never be able to answer these questions. Okay. Okay. So Ready. question number one. <clears throat> okay. Name three people who were on the island with Gilligan. The professor, Marianne, and uh, Skipper. Right. There isn't a person of my generation who can't tell you everyone. Yeah, it's in the song. Right. Exactly. Exactly. My kids. My My kids' answer was, "Who's Gilligan?" That was still in syndication when I was a kid. Wait, right. who's Gilligan? Well, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's shocking considering it's such a part of the zeitgeist of the right. baby boomer generation. Right. Who, but, who, like, who are Lucy and Linus? Oh, those are the peanuts. Right. My kids were like, oh, one of them was like, I, they're like, oh, no, I don't know. And I said, oh, do you know Charlie Brown? And one of them said, oh, yeah, Charlie Brown. He's, he's got the, the dog who sits on the house. That's it. That's as far as they knew it. That's funny because my girls have been watching a lot of Peanuts lately. They always watch the holiday specials with my wife. And so my kids know all the Peanuts, even though they're only six and three. Who are Sylvester and Tweety? 
That's the, uh, are they Hanna-Barbera or are they Warner Brothers? I don't remember, but it's the cat and the mouse and the Tweety Bird, the black cat, the yellow the bird. Tweety Bird, right, I taught, right. I taught, so putty tat. Suffer and yeah. Suckatash, that's Suffer, right. They, they had no Suffer, idea yeah. who that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are Greg and Marsha? That's the Brady Bunch. Thank Marcia, you very Marcia, much. Marcia. No idea. No idea. Name three Michael Jackson songs. Ooh, thriller, Pretty Young Thing, and Beat It. Right. My my uh, youngest daughter said, uh, oh, uh, Thriller, and uh, do, the, uh, do the Jackson 5 count? I, I know a Jackson 5 song. That was it. She could not name any other Michael Jackson songs. I could have probably done five or six more. You know, Dirty name, Diana and, uh, you know. Sure. Name three Elton John songs. Uh, let's see. Leave On, Tiny Dancer, and, um, oh, my gosh, Ho- Back Home, which is a newer one, which is one of my favorite Elton John songs. Also, um, how do I not know? Oh, my, your song. Yeah, your song's great. Yeah. My oldest said, um, did he write It's a Wonderful World? Did, did he do that song? And my, youngest one said, and my youngest one said, I don't know the name of the song, but I know what it looks like. <laughs> to which we finally realized she knows what the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album looks like. Oh, yeah, that's a great album. Right. No, no but, question. But neither one of my kids could name an Elton John song. Uh, see, my favorite Elton John song is actually Funeral for a Friend, which I think is Elton unbelievable. John. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my that's... kids don't know who Elton John is. Your kids absolutely will not know who Elton oh, John is. Oh, they will 100% know who but Elton John is. But only because you've been, they'll know who Elton John is the way that I know who Buddy Holly was. Right. They won't know Elton John the way like we Like, their friends won't be talking about Elton John. Right. They won't learn it at school or in pop culture, but it'll be right. something if they learn it at home. Like, so I started moving forward a little bit. I'm like, well, this is mostly 70s culture. Okay, let's, let's try the forward 80s. a little bit. Name three Madonna songs. Ooh, Lucky Star, Like a Virgin, and Like a Prayer. Yep, no. They couldn't name any Madonna songs. Madonna. They don't know who. I mean, they Die know Die Another who Day, is. which is a real bad one. Uh, some of these know, questions of light. Of, some of these questions are kind of hard, but you know who sang "Vision of Love." Mm. I'm not good with song titles, so I guess the first I... number one hit, and and this is this is yeah, it was Mariah Carey that was okay. her first hit. Okay, yeah, that, that she's not in my wheelhouse, right. so that's who, probably who was the pretty woman. Well, I guess it would be if you're talking about in the movie Julia Roberts. Yes, thank okay, you very much. Not no the idea. subject of the Roy Orbison song. Don't know the movie. Don't know the movie. Don't know who Julia Roberts is. Name two movies starring Tom Hanks. Let's see: Joe versus the Volcano and uh, uh, Per. <laughs> That's and, where you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, hey, Joe versus Not the Philadelphia Volcano. Apollo thirteen yeah. or Forrest Gump, but was, Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> Joe versus the Volcano and Road to Perdition. Those are two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one of my children said, I don't know. And the other one said, is, is he the one who does all his own stunts? You and mean like, Tom no, Cruise. That's Tom Cruise. she was thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Joe versus who's, the volcano. That's, who's I'm so race? happy that I thought of that first. Okay. <laughs> There's a line from that movie that me and my friend Donnie still quote to this day. And it's when he's talking to his chauffeur and he says, I need to buy some clothes. Where can I get some clothes? And the chauffeur says, well, I believe clothes make the man. Clothes are very important to me. This is a very important question. What kind of clothes do you have? And Tom Hanks says, well, I have what I'm wearing. And he says, so you got no clothes. And to this day, my, me and my friend will still, when somebody says something negative, we'll go, so you got no clothes. So you got no clothes. <laughs> All right. So uh, whose catchphrase is, I'll be back? That would be the Terminate, T-800 from the movie Terminator, 1983. One, one of my children guessed the Joker. Ooh. Who is Axel Foley? That's from uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. That's played well, by Eddie Murphy. One of my children said, I don't know, but he sounds like a cool dude. Uh, here's one. Who is? Who Does, wait, is it Axel uh, Axel Foley? Knees, knees. Welcome to the jungle. Wrong Axel. <laughs> no. Not Axel Foley. 
Some of these are kind of obscure. I wanted to really go down the rabbit hole. Um, okay. Do you know who are uh, Donatello, Raphael, Leonardo, and Michelangelo? Those would be the Ninja Turtles. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much. They said artists. Name a song by Hootie and the Blowfish. Ooh, on Cracktree Review, they got Oh, Lily, Want to Be With You, Hold My Hand. Uh, probably those are the only ones that count, right? Who said, or in Let what movie was it said, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass? That would be the Ghostbusters. Thank you. Who was in charge of the Smurfs? Papa Smurf. They didn't know. Who killed Simba's father? Well, a herd of uh, yaks or something, but yeah, it was it was it would have been the machinations of Scar, but he was really trampled to death by buff water buffalo. I think. They did not know, uh, but one of them knew, but only because they watched the remake. Right. Okay. Who is Jason Voorhees? That would be the hockey mask wearing murderer of Camp uh, Titicaca or whatever it is that he killed all the people at. But yeah, he's the uh, almost impossible to kill murderer oh. in Friday the Thirteenth. Who is Michael Myers? Uh, well, the same basic character, except in the Halloween films. <laughs> Pretty who's much saying, the same guy. Who's saying, pour some sugar on me? That's Def Leppard. Later, when I was trying to write these things down after we talked about them, we trying to remember what we had said, my youngest daughter said, wasn't there a question in there about a Def Leppard? <laughs> <laughs> huh? so, these, so you think about these things. My children don't know these things, and these things are all integral to my life. Your children, these things will be like... Like talking about Elvis Presley or or no, these things would be like talking about the Glenn Miller band. Yeah, yeah, you know? well, but but see, even asking me, I was born in 1981. Most of the things you've asked me about happened before I was born or while I was five. For your kids, these are things that it, that happened 30 years before they were born. That's fair. Yeah, no doubt. So gone. You know, you can forget asking my kids who Groucho Marx is or the Three Stooges. Right, like, if you think about somebody like Julia Roberts, to my kids, she's going to be like how I think of Clark Gable. Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? That's, like, exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm vaguely aware that he existed. He had right. large ears and people thought he was good looking. Right. Julia Roberts is, is Ingrid Bergman or, you know, or, yeah, or yeah. Who, who was married to Mel Brooks and Bancroft. Yeah or, yeah, or somebody like that, you know. And it's, and like I said, I have it because... I was old when I had my kids, but your kids are so young now, and you're an old soul, so it's also going to be a big deal for you. You're going to discover that it's going to be quite shocking that your children just don't understand or get any of your references. Well, uh, I will say that we're trying to educate them well. Right now, my kids, collectively, their favorite song that they ask Alexa to play all the time is... uh Kickstart My Heart by uh, Motley Crue. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> That's their well, There's song. always going to be a few things. <laughs> you know, there are always going to be a few things that come forward from your parents. But this whole collective zeitgeist that we have, you know, of things like my generation, you knew the Brady Bunch, you knew the Monkees, you knew Gilligan's Island, you knew Warner Brothers cartoons. You, you know, these, these were just every kid knew these things. You know, they were just, I mean, I mean, Warner Brothers, my kids don't know who Bugs Bunny is. How do you not know who Bugs Bunny is? Well, right? but Warner Brothers hasn't done anything with the Looney Tunes pretty much since Space Jam. You know what right. I mean? Like they're just. Well, they did. I think they did like the Tiny Tunes or something like that. But the problem is now there's just too much stuff. Tiny Tunes finished in like 97 or 98. Right. But like, there's too much like, stuff yeah. now. That's the problem is that, you know, there were three channels. And so everyone knew what Gilligan's Island was. It was one of only three choices in the afternoon. But now, No. That's not the case anymore. That's well, just how are you going to peel your kids away from keeping up with the crap dashians and make them watch Bugs Bunny? You know what I mean? Like they're just, there's just, I think they have more mature tastes once they hit, especially tween and teenage years. They're watching 13 Reasons Why instead of 
Right. You know, at the same age, I was watching Tiny Toons when I got home from school. <laughs> <laughs> and to something like 13 Reasons Why would have horrified me or Stranger Things. Jesus, Stranger Things would have made me pee myself and yes. and uh, and not be able to sleep at night at 13. And now kids watch it and it's no big deal. I was watching Animaniacs. I'm watching uh, you know? I'm watching Clone Wars now. Yeah, dude, I, Clone Wars <laughs> is great. Season one's a little rough, but uh, it's, it's a it's a great show. Yeah, dig it, dig it. So anyway, that was my quiz. Uh, as as expected, you you passed with flying colors, but my children failed miserably. Didn't Elton yeah. John? Did he write "It's a Wonderful World"? No, no, he, he's Elton John. He's El. He's like it's like saying you don't know who Elvis is. He's Elton John. It just goes to show you, no matter how famous you become. Eventually, yeah. nobody will know or care that yeah. you existed. I mean, we're, I mean, is there bigger? Really, in pop music, is there anyone bigger than? I mean, even Elvis, I don't think is as big as Elton John. Elvis was huge for a while, but if not for all the controversy surrounding Michael Jackson, I think that he would probably still be. He still is, but he would be even more uh, yeah. popular. You might, than he yeah, you might now. put you pop but Michael, but but in terms of 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 solid hits. And recognition over a career. You know, Elton John, it's been like 40, 50 years now. He's still doing it. Right. Maybe Kanye. I guarantee you I didn't ask him this because this would be before <laughs> their time. I'm just going to let that go. I'm, I, I, I can't believe you didn't even take but a But I guarantee you they that. couldn't name the Beatles. But I mean, I, I, I get that. You know, I get that you couldn't name the Beatles. But I guess you think, well, the Beatles, yeah, because I get that. That's older. But Elton John's not that old. But he is that old. Don't you I know that? I do. I know old. all the Beatles. It's uh, it's uh, Davy Jones, uh, Larry Curley, Moe, and Shep. Yes. Donatello and Raphael. And yes, and uh, Master Splinter. Absolutely. <laughs> Master. Funny thing, though, like that the Ninja Turtles is my generation. This is, although the comics were in the 80s, that was very 90s. And for my eighth birthday, the, the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Uh, voiced by uh, uh, Donatello, voiced by Corey Feldman. Incidentally, was my eighth birthday present. That's right. For my eighth birthday, I got a VHS from a convenience store in a paper bag. And you know what? I couldn't have been happier about it. I watched it till the tape stopped working. And I recently watched it with my six-year-old. And I will tell you, one, that's one movie from my childhood that absolutely holds up. It's still great. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and two, um... <clears throat> I still have the movie memorized from start to finish. <laughs> to 20, I read a, uh, 29 I read a piece years the other day uh, on uh, the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is one of the best movies ever. John read. Candy, Just Steve Martin. Unbelievable yeah. movie. We mentioned and, it last week. Yep. And come to find out, uh, that movie, the original cut of that movie was almost three hours long. And they had to, of course, cut it, cut it, cut it way down. And there was a whole lot in that movie that we didn't get to see, a whole lot of other subplot that we didn't get to see that I would just, it would be great if, you know, and this is one of the great things about today is that now you can just, it, 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 that would be a miniseries on, on Netflix and it would be like six episodes or something like that. You know, everything doesn't have to be packaged into 90 minutes nowadays. And back then it was. For example, at the end of the movie, when, when they show up and his wife comes down the stairs and she looks at him and he looks at her and she has this adoring look on her face. You know, like like it's the end of War of the Worlds and he just showed up on the block and she thought he was dead. She just has this look on his face of, oh, my God, you're home, pure love. It's because there's a whole whole theme in the movie that they cut out where the entire movie, she thinks the reason he's not home is because he's having an affair. Mm. There are scenes where he's calling home 
and trying to explain what's going on and bungling it. And it makes it sound like he's actually, you know, having an affair or whatever. Blah, blah. She doesn't believe him. And I always thought at the end of the movie, when he opens the door and she looks at him and it's so adoring. And I always thought she seems a little over a little overkill with the love. There. Yeah, when I get back from out of town, my wife's like, oh, good, yeah. you're back. Here's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> also, when he goes back and gets John at the train station and then they walk up to his house, there's a scene that they cut in the original movie. They actually go to a diner and they have a whole long conversation about John and his life and how he's been on the road and then his wife died and 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 now he does this. And a whole what I'm sure was a brilliant scene by John Candy, but it had to be cut for time. Hmm. And now in the age of streaming, Martin Scorsese can make any length of film he wants. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched The Irishman yet, which is the it's one he fantastic. made for Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard yeah. that uh, it's really good remedy for uh, insomnia. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it on a plane uh, on my way to, I want to say, Imaging USA <laughs> on, last year. On your way to Hong Kong. That's how long it was. <laughs> I watched it. The Is it really long? I, 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 it's hmm. four hours. Well, yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing on the plane. I had to watch the rest of it in the room. Yeah, it's like four day, hours so, yeah. long. Yeah. Is it four hours? Yeah, it's close to it, I think. Well, yes. yeah, I mean, you're talking about Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, uh, Joe, Joe Pesci. Pesci Directed by Martin Scorsese. Who cares if it's four hours long? Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen it because, you know what? I have three small children, and I just don't have that kind of time. Watch it in bed. Go to bed at night. Watch like 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Okay, I just want to point this out to you because that's kind of an insensitive comment uh, because it's been a long time since you've had small children, and I don't know if you remember how tired you are at the end of the day. Literally last night, it was 8.30, and we put... The, we, we, we had gotten the girls in the bath, we brushed their teeth, we read them stories, and, all the, and the, the baby was already asleep, but the two older ones, they were just, uh, Josie was on Julie's lap, Ellie was on mine, and we just were sitting there, and we're like, okay, you know, we're going to go to bed. So the girls just crawled up in our laps on the couch, and we're just going to have a little bit of a snuggle before we go lay them down in their own beds, and all four of us went out like a light, yeah. and I woke up, and it was midnight, and we're all still <laughs> four sleeping on the couch. Yeah, but it's great, though, isn't it? It no, I'm telling you, the having toddlers, having little kids, it's the best worst sleep of your life. Right, it really is. Like it's you're getting kicked in the face all the time. They're crawling yeah. into bed, waking you up constantly. You know, you're getting up to get glasses of water, or they just don't want to be in the bathroom alone while they pee. There's any excuse just to be in the room with you. And although it's frustrating, I'll take it because I know that. 10 years from now, when Ellie's 16 years old, she's going to make any excuse to not be in the same room as me. Yes. You know, so. Yes. yes. I still have that now. Yeah. I don't like to be in the room alone when I pee. Yeah, I know. That's why you're sitting on the toilet right now while we do the podcast. No, not, not true at all. <laughs> I'll say this, though. We were always worried about the whole kids don't want to spend any time with us when they get older. And that, and we've been very lucky that's not the case. It's more likely the other way around. Like, well, you guys okay, are cool parents, go, though. Go away now. <laughs> I think you guys are pretty non-traditional and cool parents. You but have, we've, we, but we've, it's been wonderful. You know, My daughter comes home from work, comes straight into my office, and tells me everything happened. And I love it. That's you know? great. Yeah. And then afterwards, you go, <laughs> she comes right in, tells you everything that happened. She go, you go, honey, I'm... I'm peeing right now. That's right. I'm peeing. <laughs> but I'm fine with that because, as we mentioned, I like to have someone in the room. Yes. Okay, great. How... <laughs> okay, then. Is it We're time? Very progressive. Very progressive family. A little too progressive. Is it time, then? It is time. Let's open it up. It's time for photography news. Photography, photography news. news. 
All right. Um, lots of things to talk about photography related this week. What order do you want to take these? Because there's the big one. All right. That, of course. Everybody wants to talk about your switch to Fuji, which finally happened this week. I say we make them listen a little longer before we get to it. Because <laughs> okay. once that starts, I don't think we're going to be able to talk about anything else. And there are a All few right. big things that I in, in photography news that I do want to mention. So uh, if you don't mind, I will take a couple of these quick hits. So uh, here's one that I really wanted to talk to you about. And wonder if you've seen this. Really, this just came out today on Canon Rumors. And it says, Canon shows off a new approach to the modern shutter button. So they have patented a design where the shutter button, the mechanical shutter button, seems to have been replaced by some kind of intelligent touchpad that will potentially now now that with with all that all of the bad press from the eos r when they had that multi-function touch yes. bar that every literally a hundred percent of people hated um so this is a little bit dangerous however when you think about it when if you could turn the shutter button let's just say it had haptic feedback let's say that it was comfortable and easy to use and it felt really familiar but it gave that button other features that you could program it to do different things. For example, what if you could move your index finger around that pad and change your focus point and then push the button with your index finger, something like that? What if it had Ooh. that kind of a Ooh. feature set? Well, see, now, see, oh, see, that's an unbelievable idea because I was just thinking it must be really hard to try and come up with something new, new game-changing thing all the time for, for, these, for these cameras. And then that, right there, you just off the top of your head threw out what could possibly be a great idea if your finger, if you could just pick your focus point with that finger and then poop. Right. Anywhere that's you press it. Idea. I swear to God, that's like a patentable idea, Gary. It may have been in the article or in one of the comments. I don't remember. I, it, it might not be my original idea. It's just, Well, the idea, it says um, Canon is not replacing the shutter button with a direct print button, that, which I guess was a rumor. It says if you look at six, area 61 of the patent image, there is no shutter button, just what looks like, looks to be a touchpad. The touchpad would have multiple functions depending on what you're doing with the camera. So, kind well, of interesting. What what multiple functions? Like I said, what if it was, you know how on the back... Yeah, but you, multiple functions depending on what you're doing with the camera, but but you have to, no matter what you're doing with the camera, you have to have a trigger. Right, No, unless you're shooting video, the shutter button doesn't really do anything. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. There you go. That's 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 the the example that proves I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, that's what I'm here for. That's literally yeah. what I'm here okay. to. <laughs> but the uh, it's it's actually really kind of interesting. But I think that you know there's so many of us that are like, I mean, we basically burned down the industry until we got back our joystick on the back of Canon cameras. It's yes. like it was the damn joystick. So uh, you know, people are very touchy about changing the buttons on a camera and so this would probably to me be something that they would more than likely end up testing on a lower level camera or even an m series or something similar to an m series rather than you know putting it on the next version of the r5 or the r6 imagine they finally gave everybody back all the buttons they wanted on the r5 and then they're like psych r5 mark ii no shutter buttons suck that consumer you know I, I would like the idea of getting rid of the joystick and replacing that with a thumb, you know, where you can just slide your thumb left and right and, and do what you want to do. I mean, isn't there like a – doesn't aren't the PlayStation controllers or something that way now where instead of a joystick, it's you just slide your thumb around? If I would be able to comment on that if I had played a video game in the last decade. 
I yeah, probably... somebody did that where there was no joystick. You just slid your thumb around to move around on the on the. And we could put that on the back of the camera and make it fully programmed. I don't want the in between technology. Keep the joystick until you can give me the Minority Report stuff. Like Tom Cruise, <laughs> like nothing in between is going to interest me. It's either I want a an analog tactile stick and buttons or i want right. minority report that's it you don't want first generation no 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 change. i'll wait i'll just stick with my old camera now until i've got until i got this and that's all i want i want i want the twisty light in midair stuff it's funny that you talk about touchscreens because westcott uh announced a new flash a new on-camera flash and off-camera flash uh-huh. uh, this week uh, it's going to retail for 330 bucks we are talking about the fj80 yeah, the FJ80, and it does not have buttons on the back. It has, instead of like a small screen with buttons below it, it has just a giant screen. Right. Yeah, I and, saw that. I just watched the yeah. promo video for it when, when we talked a little bit ahead of the show what we might talk about, and we both had this story pulled up. And so I just took the time to watch the little promo video because we had actually even talked about a little about this yesterday, and the first thing you said was, hard pass, I want buttons. I do. I want buttons. You know, I in a, I want I don't I don't need all the touchy touchy stuff. Just give me buttons. Um, I, although I can see the benefits in some way. Most speed lights, the buttons have multiple functions, and so having a screen where the name of the button actually changes when the function you know when the function changes, I can see that as being really handy because. I mean, I'm sure everybody has had that moment when they're at a job and they're going through their buttons in their menus and they're trying to remember how to get to the thing they need to get to. And it would maybe be easier if the buttons were big on a screen and they actually change names, um, you know, or you could have directions, instructions that came up on the screen to help you. Uh, that would be good. If you could, maybe you could just put like the Google Assistant in there or Siri, and we can yeah. <laughs> ask. Oh man, okay, I got a whole other topic on that, uh, the Google Assistant thing. But what I wanted to say about this, in general, as I watched it. At $330, I don't feel that this is necessarily a direct competitor with Godox, because I think if you're bought into the Godox system already, I don't think it's like, let me go ahead and switch. Maybe you will ride your lights till they die, and then, but what's interesting here is I think that this is a real hard shot at Profoto, because this has really similar specs, and with the touchscreen, really similar feature set to that Profoto A1, and and it's by Westcott, which is, I, I believe they're out of Ohio. They're like a U.S. company. They're going to have really solid support in comparison to dealing probably directly with Godox. Um, although, as a side note, if you buy from a sometimes a third-party distributor like Adorama under the Flashpoint brand or from like our friends at Molite, uh, you, you, will, you can get the, that same equipment with U.S. service and support. It's just not going to be from Godox itself. Uh, but this thing looks great it has the magnetic round head it's an 80 watt per second it's very very competitive with that a1 and let me remind you that the a1 is still about a thousand bucks right you could literally literally buy three of these well the other thing that's great about it is that they did the touchscreen i I know i'm knocking on it but it also shows that they're not like oh we're just going to come out with an on-camera flash to compete against godox or compete against profoto but we're going to do something they're not doing Right. Which absolutely needs to be applauded. Yeah, you know they're like we're getting, we're, getting, we're they are Westcott is now first to come out with a flash that goes on top of your camera that has a giant full touchscreen on it as opposed to buttons. And it's a nice that, looking. That's touch something screen. that puts them ahead of everybody else. You know, their first generation. So when everyone else is coming out with their first generation, Westcott will be coming out with their second. And here's something that puts them above everybody else, as far as I'm concerned. It works on multiple 
camera systems. One flash, you can go from a Canon to a Fuji to a Nikon and use the same light. What? Yep. You do not. What? Yep. You don't. I didn't see that. Yeah. It is not brand specific. It doesn't work with every single model. It works with a lot. I think if you have a relatively new Canon, Nikon, Fuji, Sony, it will work across systems, which is something heretofore that I'm aware. There might be something like this, but it's the first thing I've seen of it, at least recently. And I think that well, it's you know, well, there's two factors there. You get it's a software issue, which you think, well, why couldn't they take a light and program it to have you know the the correct software for all three camera systems? Sure, but there's also a contact issue because not all shoe contacts are the same on every camera, right? I or am I, wrong I, about I think that? that that a hot shoe can be fairly uh, you, look that I don't know that will require a little bit of work in the Google machine. My theory is this: is it doesn't have. Uh, is that the because the menu is completely electronic and there's no tactile buttons except for the power button and the home button to back out, it can arrange itself for the settings yeah. based on any camera, any model. So all they have to do is load the camera's compatibility into this thing and say, okay, well, if it's on a Canon, it's going to show these buttons and this formation. Right. You know, so I'm using Godox, and I buy this, and, and my Godox goes down, and I buy this, and then it configures itself to look just like my Godox on the back, and I don't have to relearn it. Right, like it'll work itself to your. I, I think it's brilliant. I mean, it looks like a great. Well, I've just turned. I've totally turned around on this. I went from you know hard pass to now. Hey, way to go, Westcott. Like so, <laughs> since we're going to talk about your switch to Fuji, imagine if this light had been out, and you were using these as your speed lights. You wouldn't have to replace right. anything to switch yeah. camera brands. Wow. Okay. So I'm sold. Yeah, I am. I am going to admit my mistake and say that uh, go 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 Westcott. Yeah, I yeah. I, and normally, you know how much I love to take a big steaming dump all over stuff. I just really <laughs> love to hate things. But this seems really really good. Uh, it really. I I'm I'm excited to see uh, what photography equipment reviewers get this in their hands and what they think of it because it seems like a really solid solution for for a lot of people especially if you need new lights and you might be considering switching camera brands at some point with the change to mirrorless it's pretty forward thinking I, i'm pretty impressed what, all right what else have you got i have a couple of quick hits uh, in canon news apparently according to canon canon rumors there is an aps-c rf mount camera that is out in the hands of canon shooters right now being tested and being demoed so essentially what this would be reportedly is something like the 7d mark ii like an r7 so a crop right. sensor version that will work with the rf mount system and uh that is exciting for a lot of people this could be and it, this could be useful in any number of ways as a backup camera or as a dedicated video camera as a less expensive way to get into full frame from from what i understand this it's more than likely going to have very, very similar, if not identical features to the R6, but it's going to probably come in sub $2,000 or right around 2000 as opposed to 2600 and it'll be a crop sensor instead of a full frame. So you basically get everything you get with the R6 in a crop sensor camera. So this could be a, this is something that I think that uh, Canon needs is they have the RP, which is a full frame, but it's not exactly full featured. There's no uh, the, there's no dual pixel autofocus in 4K. There's no log recording. There, you know, the, it doesn't have a very fast burst rate. The battery is very, very weak on that. So, for pro shooters, especially somebody like wedding, wildlife, sports, you could just grab this body, and now all your lenses are 50% longer. You know, there's like a cool 
uh, you know, this is a good a good addition to the lineup and a good way to go, I think. So uh, excited to hear more on that. Um, also, quick hit, our friends at DXLMark, actually, we don't know them at all. In fact, I'm not even exactly sure what they do. <laughs> but they rate camera sensors and they give them a number uh, based on various criteria. And the EOS R5 has scored the highest score, I think, of any Canon sensor ever tested by DxO. It got a 95. There are other cameras that exist that have scored higher. But for Canon, this is a high watermark. So if you're worried about the image quality on that EOS R5, they pretty much seems like the best sensor they've ever made is in that camera, which is cool. And... I don't think anyone is worried about the image quality of the R5. I mean, I haven't heard any backlash or anything negative, period, said about the R5. I think across the board, everybody accepts it as just a fine, fine camera. It is a fine camera. Uh, quick hit, Ellen Chrome, uh, you know, the, the light brand for the, for the fancy and the elite. I'm talking about John, John Gress, if you're listening. I know you listen. Um, Ellen Chrome launches an iOS app that controls up to 20 strobes simultaneously which is actually if you're a person who does a lot of studio lighting and you've got hair lights and backlights and you're if you don't have a controller that'll do that or using it you can actually now use this from your phone but it also you do need to have the ellen chrome bridge uh plugged in which is 125 dollars part so like so it's cool but it's like eh, you know let me just yeah. uh, you, uh, you could just buy it they have uh they have other technology that'll work a little bit better but it is kind of interesting in the way that i think it's cool to to give people the ability to 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 talk to studio strobes more we're so used to this functionality with our pocket strobes and with um a lot of other lights pro photo makes this technology godox makes this technology you know even uh paul c buff with the einstein lights makes a technology where you can just control everything without having to go anywhere which saves i can't tell you how much time that saves in the studio it's it's awesome yeah, that's other canon news. If you're an R shooter and you were hoping to get the F4 uh, to the get the F4 7200 millimeter lens, it was supposed to come out like this month. They pushed it back to March. Right, it's supposed to be the end of December. Now it's going to come out. So this is the uh, 7200 RF uh, F4 version, and this is the one I was kind of waiting for to buy, and because I shoot with the EF 7200 2.8, I have for years. It's the IS2 version. I bought it not long after it came out. Lens has been phenomenal. However, I shoot a lot of headshots. And when I shoot headshots, I never go, I never stop uh, uh, below or above F4. I, I, you know, it's F4 or 5.6 or 8 is typically where I'm at with a headshot. If I go below that, if I go to a 2.8, my sharp, because for me, it's a headshot. The, the eyes, both eyes have to be tack sharp. And if you go below F4, your ratio of images with tack sharp eyes drops off substantially. So I would find with F2.8 that maybe even, and this is, you know, not science. This is just my own usage of the camera. I would find that probably maybe 60% of my images at F2.8 shooting headshots would ha- would be both eyes tack sharp. And so at F4, I get about 90% tack sharp. So I thought, since I never shoot at f2.8, why would I get it? And so this, I was really looking forward to it. However, I did see Canon Rumors posted an alert that for the very first time since it has come out, the RF 7200 2.8 was available refurbished from Canon's Direct, Canon Direct website, where you could buy their equipment. So uh, it was like midnight. My wife wasn't around. (laughs) 
<laughs> two key key parts of the decision making process. It was late. I was tired, and my wife was nowhere to be found. So I bought it, and it was uh, a full MSRP on this lens is twenty six hundred. I think you can usually get it for twenty five or sometimes twenty four, depending on a rebate. But it was for sale for two thousand even, which is. Uh, about $400 more than the F4 version will be instead of $1,000 more than the F4 version would have been. So I bought the F2.8 version. I just used it for the first time in the studio yesterday, and I just threw caution to the wind. I shot a headshot session. I shot the whole thing at F2.8, and it was like a 98% hit rate on both eyes being tacked sharp. It's it's as sharp as any prime lens I've ever used. Uh, Wow. And it's awesome. But yeah, so... Yes, it's sad for those of you who want the R4 or the F4 version, uh, but let me tell you, with the with the 2.8 version, if you want to get one used or refurbished or you're even thinking about maybe you can do without 2.8, 2.8 looks better than you have ever seen 2.8 look on this lens, if, if that'll help you. And it looks better than F4 looked? On the old lens? Yes, it's sharper than yeah. F4 was on the old lens. Like, it's, it's I'm, no, no joke, no hyperbole. This is the sharpest zoom lens I've ever used, and it's as sharp as any prime lens I've ever seen. Like it, wow. at two eight, it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's pretty much it. So let's uh, get. I mean, I, yeah, okay, we can move on because we still got a lot to talk about. Because I feel like you're gonna take a deep breath, <gasps> and then no, I would I would prefer it if you ask questions. Oh, good. Okay, let's do it. I'll be Sally, Jesse, Raphael, and you can be yeah. you can be because the- otherwise, you know, I, I I'm and I've already made a video about this. It's on my YouTube channel, so I don't want to just repeat the video. Right, I will absolutely uh, this time. Sometimes I say I'll put a link in the description, and I don't. Uh, but I will absolutely. I promise. I've already posted a link to Boo Ray's video on the Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Photobomb Podcast. And, uh, and so if you want, go to, go on, if you're on Facebook, go on Facebook and you can get a link to Ray's video there. It's actually a really great video. It's so adorable. I love this. So just to catch you all up really, uh, probably since maybe the last three or four years, even you've had, you've been a Fuji shooter casually for years. You had the X100S, then you had the X100F, now you have the x 100 I had the S before that. I've had three of That's the what X100 I said. Models. Yeah, you got the S, the F, and then the V now. So All this right. is your third right. Fuji camera. You love this thing. You take it everywhere with you. If you've ever seen Ray at a convention uh, or at Imaging USA, anywhere like that, he's got this thing with him most of the time. Um, and, and you've always just got it around your neck with that cool little ropey strap. And you have been flirting with the yes. idea of, and not only that, but done... An insane amount of like down the rabbit hole homework on. <laughs> yes. And you yes. went a whole series of videos about it, and then you almost pulled the trigger to switch to the X-T3, and then you didn't. You pulled back at the last second. And now just recently, yes. you just messaged me. You're like, I just did it. I just ordered my kit. It's done. You posted it on your Facebook page. And I was like, okay. Now, so here's the real question. Why this time with the X-T4? Okay. Well... It was late, and my wife wasn't around. That's all I need to know. Thank you guys for listening to the Photobomb podcast. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot there. Um, and I'll be making a video about this as well, where we're going to deep down the rabbit hole. But it makes sense. I mean, I, 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 the first question everyone has to ask is, wait a minute. You, you determined that you weren't going to make the jump, and now you have made the jump. The X-T4, not that different than the X-T3. And same sensor. So why? And I got to say... I got to say that uh, COVID has a lot to do with it. That this year, 
And the time that I have spent not shooting has made me able to really step back and look at what I do, how I do it, how I enjoy it, what I like about it, and what I don't like about it, and then see, is there some way that I can make an adjustment and, and emerge from this reinvigorated, right? And I decided that I had built my whole, my whole thing has always been built around because I did so many beach weddings, right? That I had to be Batman. So I built a utility belt with my camera, my lenses, my, uh, my uh, lens hood for being able to look at the back of the camera, uh, my phone, my water bottle, <laughs> my batteries, my cards. All this stuff is on my, on my spider belt. I can't live without the spider belt. Best thing ever made. It's all on there and I'm out there trudging on the beach and I'm doing my thing. Well, that was years ago. Now I'm a little bit older and I find myself limping after I do a gig. You know, because of all this weight that I'm carrying on my hips and is particularly on my right side. And I started thinking, do I really need to be gearing up like a stormtrooper when I'm shooting the way I'm shooting now? Because when I shoot now, uh, it's much more often to be a wedding that is four or five hours long or it's a bar mitzvah where I just do portraits in the, in the, in the temple. And then the, later the same day, I go to a four or five hour event. Do I need to be moving through a crowd with all this stuff on my body? as I've always done, or could I minimize and get the weight off, become more or less obtrusive and enjoy myself more? And is there a camera that will allow me to do that? Along comes the X-T4. Which side note solves X-T3 was award-winning, lauded all over the world, but it did have some issues. And they basically, all they did was with X-T4 is, they made the XT3 and just fixed all the things people were complaining about. Yes. Now the screen is completely flip out rotating screen. So I can use it for recording video from, of myself for my YouTube channel. Now it's got in-body image stabilization. Uh, it's got now, now it's got a bigger battery rated at like 600 shots. They've improved the uh, eye tracking autofocus. Yeah. The eye tracking autofocus has been improved. So, wow. Okay. So then the big question just became, and, and I, I love that I'm making the switch to Fuji because it's going to put us in a great position on the podcast because you being a guy who is still shooting with the best brand and the best lenses money can buy there, you know, the, the, the R5 is the best camera. Canon makes the best glass. I'm not going to dispute that. And now here comes me. I'm on the other side of the spectrum as a more budget minded photographer you know, and also one who's much more worried about weight because I work events. You don't. You work on a tripod. You work in a studio. Right. A lot. Right. So I think it's great now. I, I'm really happy, actually, that I'm making this switch as far as you and I are concerned because instead of us both being these Canon fanboys, now we're going to be able to argue more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, but for me, what it came down to is really is, is our APS-C sensors finally at the point where they are really good enough in the same way that there was a time where if you were a professional photographer, if you were a good one, you know, you shot medium format. And at some point, full frame became good enough. And the idea of having medium, medium format was, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to spend the money on medium format, I guess you can, but you can certainly do the job well with full frame. And then at some point, full frame just became the top dog and people don't even talk about medium format anymore. And I believe that over the next decade, the same thing is going to happen with APS-C. I think that 10 years from now, people will look at people shooting full frame as that's fine if you want to do that or you're a pixel peeper or whatever. But, you know, if, I mean, it's a lot more money for that. It's not the same as Leica, but I think that that will happen because I think APS-C, just like full frame before it, 
is getting better and better and better. And I think that Fuji is finally at that point now. I think that their 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 current their current their current sensor is as good as the one I have in my full frame camera now. I know several photographers whose work I greatly admire that have been shooting Fuji for several years. And so uh, it's certainly of more than good enough professional quality. Uh, and, and to your point, I remember when the Canon 7D came out and I had a, a 5D2 and a 5D and I sold the 5D and I got a 7D as my backup. And that was an APS-C sensor. sensor camera. And I, I remember using it, coming back from a wedding, having shot with both and just looking at the 7D files going like, oh my God, this sucks. You know, like being at ISO 800 and being like, this is unusable, you know, for right. what I'm doing. And especially side by side with a full frame. And now I think that, you know, if that was a the new APS-C technology and the new algorithms, the new processors, uh, you know, the new sensors, I'm sure that I would feel very differently. Well, I pulled I, I pulled images. I went and pulled images that were, you know, from official reviewers and stuff. I pulled images down and compared ISO 3200 with the Mark IV to ISO 3200 with my current camera, the 5D Mark III. And I, it, I wasn't seeing a, enough of a noticeable difference to make me think I can't shoot at 3200. Now, you start talking about 6400, you start talking, you start going even higher, you're certainly going to benefit. Yeah, but if you, you don't need that now. You don't need that now. And there's also the other thing, too, which, which people also forget, is that you can, um, because, of, because of the crop factor, you're going to shoot more wide open on your aperture in order to get the same uh, depth of field when you're shooting with an APS-C. So if you're a stop more wide open on your aperture than you would normally be, that means that you can be a stop under on your ISO. So if I'm normally shooting uh, a reception at ISO 3200, and I'm at 3.5 with an APS-C, I can shoot at 2.8 and 1,600. And right, or, or I mean, I think it's mildly different math, but I mean, it's essentially the point is you can shoot it to, you can shoot wide open and keep your ISO down yes. an entire stop, whereas you normally would have not ventured to shoot wide open for fear of the depth of field, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. I just want to read to you a few of the comments uh, on the Facebook page, uh, so <laughs> about this. Oh, my Facebook page. Uh, no, no, uh, about this news. Uh, Mark Mark Anthony Dimson says the podcast will never be the same. And you know what? I think that's going to create a more interesting dynamic between the two of us. Being now yes. that we're going to be shooting two different systems. Uh, Steve Horwat says, "I never thought this would happen in my lifetime." <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Jordan Bellotti says, "Huge news! I can't believe it!" Exclamation point. Now, Michael Honkamp writes and says, "Curious how he will like the ergonomics on the XT4 after his XT3 right. experience." Excited to see the transition, and that was really what held you back the last right. time. So, right. how are you going right. to deal with the ergonomics? Well, the grip is a little bit bigger on the XT4. And I have already ordered a grip for it, not not a battery grip, which I'm probably going to order because Fuji has a special right now, and for $138, I can get the battery grip. Uh, but I, I purposely don't want to use the, the big battery grip. I don't want to add any more weight. I don't want to add any more size. I want to be able to work more with a camera that's light, and I can just walk around and enjoy myself instead of trudging around like a guy wearing a hazmat suit, which is the way I work in events now with all the stuff I'm wearing all over my body and this giant heavy lens and this, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going, down the, I'm going to go down the prime rabbit hole. That's coming. That's what's coming next is you're, I'm going to be a guy who's shooting with a lot of primes. All right. So like well, I have the smaller lenses and the smaller kits. But I've, I've ordered the bigger grip, and um, 
you know, and I think it's one of those things that you get used to. You get used to it. Like the first time you drive somebody else's car, and you're like, "How do you drive this thing?" And then a month later, you just you don't think twice about it. Yeah, I've been driving my, I, you know, as as many on the podcast now, I'm a Jeep guy now, and I've been driving my 2000 Cherokee, which is basically it's just an engine with seats in it. There, it doesn't even have door yeah. sensors or seatbelt sensors. Like it's just a, it's it's barely a, it's a barely legal automobile. <laughs> it's barely even a car. Yeah, it's barely even a car. It's mostly just an engine with a seat on it. Um, and so I drive this around all the time and I love it cause you have to drive it, you know? And today I had, I'd taken it in to get the uh, headliner replaced cause you know, that just falls down on old cars. And I drove my wife's minivan, uh, you know, around to the studio today cause my car's getting worked on and my wife's got a 2020, uh, Toyota Sienna. So if you haven't had a, a modern minivan, they're just, they drive like you're not even dry. It's like a spaceship. Oh, they're wonderful. Yeah, they're amazing. And so I literally, I got in and I turned the key and I was cranking the key like I do in my Cherokee because your, your muscle memory gets so used to turning something at a certain, and I just cranked the, and I was like, and the car, I couldn't even hear that the engine had turned on because my car's right. so loud. And then I'm driving it. And I'm lit. It's just literally like it's all the car practically drives itself. And I've just gotten so used to a car that objectively drives much worse. You know right. what I mean? And but and but you so, don't think of it as driving much worse when you're driving. No, I enjoy it. I love the I love the car. But the point is that like you can literally get used to anything. It just takes like right. my daughter's five years old and she threw a, had a panic attack the other day because of the stitches in her socks, the toe stitches. So she puts her shoes on and then she's literally having a meltdown because the sh- the toe stitches are uncomfortable. And I'm like, Ellie, babe, you know, if you just walk out of here and just in five minutes, you'll forget that you have socks on and you'll just be playing and everything will be fine. And she's like, no, I won't. My life is over. And then we're literally at the playground 15 minutes later. And I go, Ellie, how are your socks? She goes, they're fine. And then she just keeps playing. Like we have the ability. And so I'm not implying that you're going to be in a worse system. I'm saying if you can get used to things that are actually worse you can certainly yeah. adjust to things that are equilateral and just different. And I think that since you're going to be shooting differently, rather than having a big thing you whip up on your belt, you may have an, an easier time with the ergonomics. Yeah, I'm getting rid of the belt. I'm going, I'm going back to strap. And listen, uh, you know, a couple of months from now, I may be on here talking about how, well, this is a failed experiment. Uh, <laughs> you interesting know. you should say that because our, our, our uh, stalker critic... Boo-ray obsessed fan uh, Luke Longnecker writes, how much grief will Gary give him if he pines for his cannon gear down the road? And Luke, I will tell you, none. Because it is <laughs> none. Because this is what life is about. You try things. You see if they work. You Oh, you know, this is what's, this is what's fun. It will be you know, nothing this... but pity because it's going to be so expensive to switch back to cannon. <laughs> well, it's not too expensive because let me tell you, that was, that was, a, that was one of the, if not the biggest factor was cost. The, the cost for me to make the switch was just unbelievably like 50% cheaper than if I stayed with Canon. I could have made a, a gradual shift with Canon. People say, well, you, you can still use your lenses. Yeah, I can still use my lenses, but they're 10 years old. I'm not going to be using EF lenses with an adapter for the next 10 years on an RF, on an R camera. That's not going to happen. Just like you, you can still use your lens. And what'd you do the other day? Uh, you bought the yeah, new, bought you new bought lens. the new R lens. That's right. You bought the new R lens. Oh, so, if anybody and, wants and to minute, buy a seventy to two hundred EF yeah. uh, two point eight IS two uh, recently served or an IS one, which I have. Yeah, I no problem. Just- <laughs> and and so you know, so I, I you know eventually I'm going to make the switch to those lenses. So you got to figure the cost of you. Basically, you're rebuilding your whole kit. The only thing you're really going to save 
if you're going to make the switch to mirrorless and it's going to be a long-lasting switch, is that you're not going to have to replace your flashes. Lucky me, I just won a brand new Godox flash. And when I they saw asked that. Me what kind I wanted, I said, give me a Fuji one. Just because just, I like thought, you, you know already what? knew. You I, well, knew. I, didn't, I, just, I didn't need it. I'm like, I don't need it. But so I was like, give me a Fuji one just in case. And guess what? Well, that paid off. So I got a nice $300 flash there for my food. So I don't have to replace that. And now you want the, uh, the Westcott FJ80. <laughs> <laughs> what I really want to do is shoot less and less with flash. I want to shoot more natural light if I can. I want to. I want to it's more they, possible you know, than it's ever been with fast lenses uh, and the, the high ISOs being better and usable it's it you know i remember with photographers with the original 5d were like i'm shooting all available light look how good this looks i'm like no that looks like butt that looks terrible and but yeah. now you could yeah. shoot at 6400 iso and get very very usable images you know depending on your your camera but i hate yeah, uh, when i work at reception i'll set up lights to light the dance floor but then i'll control them with my flash that's on my camera and so i'm walking around with my camera my flash and my belt and, and maybe some, and a bunch of stuff on my belt and all that stuff. And what I would really like to get, be, to, get to is where I've got lights to light the dance floor. And then I've just got a strap around my neck with a camera, with a short prime and a controller. And, and I, used to, I, I let the lights that I've set up in the room light my room. And I've just got this camera with a short prime and a controller. And that's it. For three hours or four hours of the reception, I can switch out those lenses every once in a while if I want to. But no more carrying all that weight on me and having to turn sideways when I move through people and just being this giant lumbering thing through the event, you know. Um, I, when I, like I said, I shot a wedding not too long ago and I shot the entire pre-getting ready stuff with my Fuji X100V all natural light and it came out great. Great storytelling, you know, great. Everything was wonderful. And I was like, wow, how much fun was that? <laughs> how much fun was that not having all that stuff? Since you were gonna, if you're going to have to make the switch to mirrorless at some point, and I think that there's yeah. not there's something to be said for the fact that you kept a mind on what is going to invigorate your practice, and yes. I think that I think that's really important. And and you know, and <laughs> I wanted to talk about this kind of at the open of the show because every time somebody every in every photography group everywhere on the internet when somebody posts about should I get this piece of gear? There's always some old shellackly bum nibbledy poop that gets on there. Some old mustache <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that weighs in and goes, well, it's really, it's not about the gear. You should be able to blurt it. Flirty, flirty. And yeah, we know. We all know. Nobody who's been in photography longer than six minutes doesn't understand that the photographer a, a, can make an image out of a shoebox with a hole in it. We know this. Thanks, Uncle Whatever. We know this. Like, Huh? Yeah, we. It is we known. This. It is known. It is known. So, like, like, let somebody enjoy the fact that they're getting a new thing. If somebody yeah, posts in a thing group, I don't understand. If somebody posts in a group and they say, "I'm about to buy this lens," will this make me a better photographer? Then go ahead and throw your opinion in the ring because they have you. They you have been called to the mat to defend the honor of the profession and the art of photography. Otherwise, shut your fat mouth and let somebody enjoy it. They know what they need. You're not the freaking gear police, you jerk. And just I've, I've just been incensed about it today. I actually was was arguing with it, not arguing. This guy was cool. I had a small debate similar to this with a guy in your group when you posted about your stuff, and he's like, "Just remember to spend you, that you should concentrate on education and 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 the art of your craft, and not not gear." I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks, Dad. We know that. 
uh, but I'm going to buy this crap anyway. So could you please just shut up or be constructive? Appreciate you. You know, like anyway. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think is the what do you think is the genesis of that? What do you think that comes from? That because you're right, we run across those people all the time, and 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 again, yes, I see people who say to me, I've had many people who have said, you know, when they were shooting crop sensor, and they would say, you know, I've, I've got to get full frame, and I thought, no, you got to become a better photographer, right? You, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't get full frame. Full frame will make a difference for you, yes, but you're not at the point yet where full frame is the thing that's holding you back. What's holding you back is that you're not a good photographer. Here's where that's relevant: is when somebody says. You know, I got to get a DSLR so I can take better pictures. And they're moving from like a point and shooter just using their phone. And then you look at their work and be like, you know what you're not doing? You're not taking good pictures with your phone, which means you don't know how to take good pictures because your phone right. is a camera, you know? And, and so people go like, yeah. And then here's the thing that's in every middle class household in America, there is a Canon or Nikon, low level Canon or Nikon DSLR sitting in a drawer somewhere, not being right. used because somebody bought it thinking it was going to help them take better pictures. They turned it on, put it on automatic, and then continued to do the same thing that they were doing with their digital elf or whatever little stupid camera they had. And the images look exactly the same as what they were getting. And like, yeah. Those people, they probably need to hear that. But these aren't the people that are posting in pro photo talk with Boo Ray Perry, the Facebook group, you know, <laughs> like these people have been like, how are you going to mansplain somebody, you big man spreading moron? How are you going to mansplain somebody who's been a pro photographer for 13 years, who's been taking pictures since they were like 14 and you're going to tell, oh, just, just remember that it's not the gear that makes a good photographer. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Like that, we get now. If you're if you're in the the beginning photo the beginner photography podcast, go ahead and take your old ass over there and give that hand out that piece of crappy advice. Of course, it's the photographer. We all know that. You know how I know that because I, there are photographers that I'm friends with that have the exact same gear that I do that make me look like a rank amateur. Yeah, that's how right. I know that it's the photographer and not the gear. I'm aware because I have eyes. Thanks, Dad. Anyway. Uh, I think we're we're pretty close to out of time. And it is funny. It is funny. It is funny to address it at me in this situation, though. You know, because it's not like I have not great gear and I'm buying all this fabulous gear in hopes that it makes me a better photographer. I have top of the line gear. You're literally now. downgrading. <laughs> yeah, in some ways you could. Yeah, in some ways you could say that I'm downgrading. So that's not. It's not about me trying to buy a better game. Yeah. It's me. It's about me wanting to go to mirrorless and the benefits that mirrorless will provide, and then also looking at price, which is a huge factor, and also looking at size and weight and joy of shooting. And as much as I don't like the ergonomics uh, on the uh, on on the Fujis, I do love shooting with them. Right. And 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 I'm more excited now for my next job than I have been excited for a job in years. That's yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait for my camera to get here. Can't wait to get out there. I'm going to grab the kids. Let's go out in the park. Let me do some stuff with my... Yeah, I don't, I don't do that now. I don't touch my Canon unless I'm getting paid. Do you remember you said a while back, this is a couple months back, that you photographed a family and a little boy jumped onto a pile of leaves and you saw the joy on his face as he jumped into the pile of leaves and you said, yes. I wish that any time in my adult life I felt that unadulterated joy. <laughs> do you remember yes, the feeling yes. ever when you're a kid and you get new tennis shoes? And you're at the mall with your oh, parents, no. and then you you literally start just tearing ass down the breezeway, and you're like, "Look, mom, I can run faster!" <laughs> like I got new shoes. Yeah. Like sometimes, yes, 
there are many things that can inspire you. There are many things that can fire you up, many things that can reinvigorate your 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 passion. Sorry, I always throw up when I say that word. Many things that can get you fired up about what you're doing. But when we're in a, such a technology-centric profession, it's absolutely acceptable and normal that a new piece of gear could not only make your job a little easier, it could improve the quality, the technical quality of some of your images. It could move a couple of hurdles out of your way. But dude, if if a couple of hundred bucks on gear can get you freaking psyched about what you do, it's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, Viltrox makes Viltrox makes a 28, a 35, and an 85, 1.4, and these lenses cost $330 a piece. You think you think I, I'm almost I'm almost bought them now. My kid's not even here yet, and I'm already almost in because I'm like you know what I want to start trying some primes. I want to try shoot some one point. I, you know, and you need that in your life. Let's you know you yeah. need to be invigorated. You need to be, that's why we get into this profession. It's Maybe not have something to, to look forward to. Yeah, packages arriving at your house. Looking forward to the job, and sometimes not all. The, I'm not saying go out and buy gear if you're depressed. I'm saying that like. Sometimes a new piece of kit, whether it be a light or a modifier or or, or something or whatever, or a background, you, you know, you, you have to be responsible for how you spend your money and, and run a profitable business. That's not even on the table here. That's just a given. Um, sometimes that can get you fired up. And I just sure. did it. I just did it yesterday with a brand new lens. And I, yes. I, 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 I seriously, I jetted to the studio i like could not get out of the house fast <laughs> enough to go and put because i had to let my cameras in the studio my lens got delivered to the house and i i literally i put it in my backpack and i like shagged ass to the studio it was like eight o'clock in the morning and i am walking through the door of the studio my session was at 11 <laughs> right like and uh and so you know take take it out with a grain of salt just Keep it in balance, but I'm excited for you. Uh, I'm excited to see what you do with it, and I am mostly excited. And please go watch this YouTube video of Boo Rays. Go to the Facebook page, and I will, I promise, put a link to it in the description of this episode. Uh, I absolutely watch Boo Ray because he's literally just put the order in, and then he starts filming himself, and then yeah. <laughs> he's literally his hands are shaking. He's so excited because it is a profound switch. And if you know this man, you know that he does nothing without turning it over and over like a Rubik's cube for, for sometimes months and months before <laughs> yeah, pulling yeah, the trigger so on the decision. It's really, it's really a curse. This is it not really an is. impulsive human being. So no. just go and watch the pure joy of a man no. in his middle 50s with the excitement of a kid on Christmas. It, is, it, is, it was an absolute pleasure. And I see your stupid well, face all the time. And so, listen, but I'm scared I, too. I, I listen, enjoy it's it. not just excitement. I'm scared. I'm, it's you know it's a big deal to suddenly be like I'm a cannon shooter. I've always been a cannon shooter, and now the stuff is coming to the house. My next job, it's all Fuji, baby. So you know, I shot one job once with a Fuji Fuji camera that I had on loan, and but and but even then, although I did a good job and the, and the work was good, still having this foreign camera in my hand was very weird. You know, because I, I you know, I know I, I've been driving the same truck for 13 years. Yeah. Once I get something I'm good, I, I know how to use well, I don't replace it. Right. Unless I have to. No. All right. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's a big deal. I think that we have satiated the listeners and uh, and we will continue with the Bure Fuji saga as yes. we go. Bure, thank you for being on my show. It's really nice You're to have welcome. you as a guest. <laughs> hey, um, there's one, listen, there's one more thing I want to mention before I forget. Shoot. That I've discovered. And I told you about this in a text. And, I, and this is one of those. I didn't know this existed. And this is so cool. And why isn't everyone doing this? And that is that 
Fuji has a piece of software called Fuji Acquire, and this is the software that you use. Every brand makes it so that you can put this on your computer and then you can tether into your computer, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the last update to this software, when you tether in, it will remember all of your menu settings on your camera. And then if your camera gets factory reset, you can plug it back into your computer and it will set your camera back up for you to your settings. That is so awesome. This is this is unbelievably awesome. I mean, this I have put off sending my camera off to be cleaned because I'm like, oh God, when it comes back, they're going to factory reset it. And I'm going to have to go through and try and fit, you know, reset everything to the settings that I like. And you always forget at least one thing and, and then you discover it on the next job. You know, like you forgot to set it so that when you turn the camera, the, the back of the screen turns it, It's to, like or, somebody in Fuji's technology, their engineering, their, their IT department, some of them are like, I know what'll make Blu-ray come over to the dark side. <laughs> it's just a great little thing. I know. You know, it's just one of those great little like why didn't why didn't somebody think of this before? Just something that will save all your settings. It, in your it, camera it so may you in fact just... exist for other brands. I just and that's the thing. It may. It doesn't exist for Canon, yeah. but it may exist. It may be that you and I have been suffering and didn't realize we were the only ones suffering. Yeah, I actually don't mind because I don't mind resetting the camera. But you know, oh, I do. It's just the menus. It's just too much. But I only send it in for cleanings once every decade anyway, so it doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, before we before we log off here, and we are a little over on time, can we just do a little? This is the holiday edition. This is the holiday. We first of all we say Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, Kwanzaa, Christmas, and New Year's. We are going to take maybe a week off for Christmas next week. Are we going to do that? Sure. And we haven't talked about it, but there's a chance we will, which will justify this longer issue. Yes, we may. We may take a week off. It depends on how schedules work out. So we'll see how that goes with, with next week with Christmas and everything. Um, I have photographed my last session of 2020, and I'm taking the rest of the year to just work in the studio and do infrastructure. We're actually potentially moving studios in a month or two. I just looked at a new property yesterday, and so uh, there will be more coming on that. Uh, the preschoolers have finally driven me out. But what I really wanted to mention is we're getting so close to Imaging USA at home for 2021, which is... Because of the pandemic, Imaging USA, which is one of the biggest photography conferences in the world, Bure and I are there every year without fail. Bure is actually the face of Imaging USA as he hosts and does a lot of live videos for Imaging USA. He and I are both very heavily involved in PPA. This is going to be an unprecedented year because of the pandemic. It won't be in person, but they have brought in this third-party company that specializes in a fully immersive um a virtual conference that's going to be so, so different than just a bunch of instructors sitting in their chairs in their pajamas talking at you. This is going to be the best version of a virtual conference that could possibly be. And Bure and I both have the the distinct pleasure of being a part of it. I'm teaching a platform class. I am also doing a moderating as a room host for three other classes, including friends of the show, Dave Kalmbach from Canada, Yannick Vasio from California, and uh, and the famous portrait photographer, Mark Mann who's photographed every celebrity on the sun. I'm going to be the host in three of those rooms. So if you watch those, uh, you'll see me there too. Bure is going to be the big floating Wizard of Oz head in the virtual lobby when you walk in. His <laughs> face will be right there talking at you, as well as, I'm sure, a number of other important hosting duties. So we, he and I will both be all over Imaging USA at home. It is three days of incredible education. It's going to be over 80 classes, and you can watch classes live, interact, and ask the speakers questions in the live Q&A at the end. But you will also have access to watch all the other classes for the entire month of January. And I think that that's probably one of the coolest things ever because if you don't have to choose between classes this year, you can see every class you want to see 
Uh, and it is, so it's going to be on demand access for a limited time, even after the event. So uh, it's only $59 to attend Imaging USA this year. They've lowered the price and they've, they've increased the amount of stuff that's in it. And it's just going to be as, as the best version of a virtual conference. And uh, that's imagingusa.org. If you have not registered, do that. Do it immediately. You will not regret it. Photobomb is written and produced by Boo Ray Perry and Gary Hughes, and our editor is Danielle Munoz. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. Our website is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughestheoretic.com. I love how you say that. My website is booayperry.com, and you can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you maybe next week. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and such. See you later. <laughs>